I'm on my grown man shit, don't sit lean no more I still smoke weed, but espresso be my shit though Splash your arm and I ain't fucking with no lactose Real estate, cause fuck it, we ain't gone broke Estás escuchando el podcast con más huevos Más huevos que los demás It's the What Did He Said podcast This your boy Chingo Blingo with the big tamarindo Man, it's, it's coming to the end of 2017 We about to plow forward into 2018 So thank you guys so much for tuning in This is going to be a major focus for me uh, of Podcasting, man, interviewing folks We want to bring you interesting people, man Good interviews, you know, where you can soak up some game And today is no exception We have my boy David Rodriguez representing Houston and Mexico City He's an ambassador of both He's basically a renaissance man This guy, he has a clothing a, a clothing store My bad, tongue twisted like a muffin He has a clothing store downtown Houston He helped curate And, and he was a part of the Anthony Bourdain um, Houston episode uh, No Reservations uh, And he he actually is um, he's, he's, a, he's speaking out about Many injustices happening against Immigrants in the legal system And he has his own personal First hand story that he tells us So without further ado, today's episode Is brought to you by TheCancunLife.com That is my clothing line It's Texas based, family owned And we've been putting in work man I know you've seen the classic Feria snapbacks that's where you could get them man you don't have to wait for us to come on tour to your city you can get online we ship it to your doorstep we drop promo codes all the time and right now our big seller is the ugly christmas sweater since the mile season you can't find nothing like that at the mall nowhere not even walmart they trying to corner the, the ugly sweater market but they can't do it the cancunlife.com man we got hoodies dad caps snapbacks and all that get you some sauce all right Young Taylor, Taylor made. Without further ado, let's start the show. Sass. Recently, the moment, you know, I started my own shit. What shit? A podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. So, this nigga, the moment we're getting to the office, nigga, record. And then oh, I'm yeah. like, yo, you're not supposed to catch that, dog. You want to get us in trouble? That's where you get all the good shit. <laughs> Rolling? Cool, man. <clears throat> we're recording, man. Um, of course, this is the What Did He Said podcast. I am your host, Chingo Blingo with the Big Tamarindo. As you know, this is a show with the most audio technical difficulties. The good news is we have Young Taylor in the building. We testing out Young Taylor today. He's going to be like podcast producer and, and so on and so forth. Uh, however, we got a motherfucker in the attic thinking he's Santa Claus and shit. Try to get this presence in. Pinche ruidazo, no mames. Yo, man, we got my boy David, man. Some of y'all know him as Mr. Tipping Point, Mr. Uh, Kick with Anthony Bourdain, you know what I'm saying? Mr. Clothing Store, Mr. Chef, all of that. Cook it up, baby. You know, we'll cook it up a little bit. Whipping up flavors. Also, man, shout out DJ Demo in the building. Now, what's the name of your podcast, Dave? It's called The House Husbands. The House Husbands of Hollywood. No, they the, 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 <laughs> the Houston. I will. So, now, uh, it's funny, we, we just kind of came up with that shit He. We were just bullshitting one day, man, and you know, you know Poncho, right? Which, which Poncho? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we always just have good convo in these motherfuckers, and then I had an idea of doing the podcast after this whole situation, and then was one day this motherfucker's like, yo, I got all the equipment for this shit if you want to do it, and I was like, what? <laughs> so we just kind of started doing it, and we didn't really have a name the first episode, um, and the second one, we're like, you know, we're all Mexican, and you know, the raza, they be thinking that... Uh, Demo, you look Filipino, bro. 
<laughs> Avoid like because hey, you know because you know even Filipinos got names like Cruz and Cruz, shit like yeah, that. Yeah. So They're, so you never know, man. You might be kind of mixed with uh you know with Chino because I was my mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's trippy because like a lot of people in, in like my family and even my girls' family sometimes we be looking borderline Asian. So sometimes I wonder about like uh like how. You know all the theories about like okay, where all life started in you know Africa or something, and then things spread or or like I guess as evolution or, or what have you. How like how how is it that some people end up one way? Is it just because like demographics? Like you grew up in the snow and well, apparently these the Asian or like the Asian yeah. continent, they're the one or like the Siberian people, which are kind of Asian looking. They were the ones that came to America first from the top, right? That's how you. That's like how they the came Bering down Strait like the or something Bering like Strait, that, that, or uh, Mongolia, yeah. or something like but that. But also, like, the immigration is just is happened all over the place, man. Uh, my wife's dad, that motherfucker looks Chinese. I mean, uh, Japanese. He looks straight Jap. If you see him, like when he was younger, you could that fool can. Man, he's from El Salvador. He's Salvadorian, but a lot of people don't know that Salvadorian. Like, there was a big influx of immigration by the Japs uh-huh. early on. So now, is that a derogatory term, Japs? No, nah, I don't. Think so. I hope not. <laughs> shit, I don't. I don't want to get fucking. Nah, this ain't. This isn't right commercial here. radio, man. Everybody we have on here is authentic, and uh, you know, sometimes like you know, people just talk a certain way. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, you know what we mean. So, so yeah, it's trippy. And so you're originally from the FA? Yeah, Mexico City. And at what age did you come to Houston? When I was 13. Well, I was 12, and then at 13 I came over here. I was 12, and then I turned 13 maybe like a couple of months after. And was um, it like a huge culture shock where you're like, what the hell? Hell this? yeah. I mean, I came in this bitch with a fro looking, like a early Chalino, you know what I'm saying? Big ass fro. Didn't know shit of English. I actually did know English. I knew one word. Which one? Red. That's Red. It. El color. That's, that's it. it. Rojo. Just because a clown used to make balloons uh-huh. in El Parque. So that nigga used to always hook it up. And he always like, yo, this is color red. And I was like, yeah. I like that color. So he, he, he turns English. That's he it. That's, a, that's the first uh, word that I... What part of uh, the FA? What part of Mexico? It's like central. Like uh, Colonia Gustavo Madero, which oh. is the hood. Oh, yeah? Like the hood. Is hood. it like near uh, uh, Tepito or anything like that? Very. Or? Yeah, yeah. It's I, right like, by Tepito. Yeah. I mean, all my tios, they all grew up... Pickpockets. St- nah, stealing and selling <laughs> that shit over there. Yeah, it's, it's pretty close to us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, when we went, one of the times we went to the FA, uh, my sister was actually living out there. She was living in Polanco because her husband had a, like a nice cushy job. A good job. Yeah, he had a nice cushy job. So they, they were living in a suite in like the top of this um, cool little building. And um, the elevator, like when it's, I guess technically it's a penthouse, if you will. It's a little apartment, but um, the elevator will open up. Into their living room. That shit is tight. <clears throat> and Polanco's nice. And it, it was almost like, to me, it was almost like a little too clean, like a little too nice to where it felt like all this uh, consumerism, like foreign influence. It just felt like, okay, Louis Vuitton store, Porsche, uh, all right. My Polanco's not to fuck with, man. They used to, like, if I would have walked into Polanco when I was younger, they'd have been like, yo, You're not, you don't belong here. Fuck out of here. Straight up, like just walking down the sidewalk, they'd be like, yo. Burn off. Have so, you ever, have you ever been to that um that art museum that's owned by uh, Carlos Slim? Yeah, uh, Sumaya. Yeah, the big mm-hmm. twisty looking building. I just took my wife there for the first time. Uh, uh maybe three months ago I was there. Oh. Uh, the shit is crazy, man. I mean, if you look at it from the outside, it don't really make sense. 
how there's a museum inside. You think it's maybe like a story or two, but that shit is six stories. Yeah. Inside, and it just it's like a it it just revolves all the way. Around. Like it's like a swirl. Every and just yeah, we got to go, and uh, it's crazy. Like that's homeboy's personal art collection. Like uh, all that shit, Da Vinci's and sculptures and uh, all that stuff. He owns. I mean, he owns a good portion of it. When we went, they had this big old this big piece that travels the world. I don't know if it's his or not, but it's like millions of dollars. They, you know, it's called La Puerta al Infierno or the, the Gates to Hell or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that shit is huge. It's it's pretty unreal that he has that piece. There. Every time they move that piece, he makes like national headlines. So so when you when you uh, so obviously Mexico City that's home, right? That's where you grew up. That's where your roots and your childhood, all your memories and For stuff. Sure, yeah. So then when you came here. Um, what was your first impression of quote unquote Mexican food here in Houston? <laughs> uh, well, I didn't go. Well, my mom, we, we didn't really go out to eat a lot. My mom's a cook, so it wasn't really too unfamiliar. But like going to school, because I started going to school here right right after I got here. And I remember the first shit they gave me was like sausage with uh, syrup. Yeah. And I thought in that school, shit was right? nasty. I was like, yeah, what yeah. the fuck so is was like this piss? shit? Yeah. I was like, motherfucker, you. Na-. I was like, yo. You nasty motherfucker! You dipping your shit in the yeah. in the syrup like that's nasty, man. I thought that was nasty, and then the the second weirdest thing was peanut butter and celery shit. Like I never understood that. Like why I, you putting, I was like, you putting peanut butter on top of celery? So in Mexico we juice the shit out of celery, but yeah. we don't put that shit in peanut butter. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So it was weird. That was the second weirdest thing, and then eventually yeah, I kind of got used to it. You know what I mean? Like didn't really. It was a culture shock for sure, but I, you know, you, you're a kid, so you don't, you just go through the motions and you just do. Let me ask you, man. Uh, one thing, one thing I really admire about you, man, is just your sense of style. You know what I mean? Your taste, like the fashion, just everything, everything you got going like that. Um, obviously, it translates into like the food. And are you still over at Too Sweet? No, no, I left that. Uh, I left that place. Uh, I'm gonna say like almost a year ago, man. Whenever I started redoing the new shop, whenever uh-huh. I decided to. Stop making other motherfuckers money. I uh-huh. just said, man, I'm, I'm just gonna do myself again. But I, you know, I kind of put a little twist to the shop. So it took us a while to get it up, up together. So I haven't been working for nobody else for the last almost a year. So the tipping point is open. What's the address? Uh, two fourteen Travis. Two fourteen Travis. The tipping point. You have clothing. It's like a fashion. Yeah, we spot. got, we got. It's, it, I mean, we started off in two thousand seven like a sneaker shop, like uh-huh. a, a sneaker shop, just. We had all real accounts, you know what I mean? This is before reselling became big. So we had, like, Jordan account, Nike account, Adidas, Puma, all the big hitters, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Uh, and then we just kind of stapled ourselves into downtown. Nobody wanted to take a shot in downtown, so me and the homies decided to give it a go there. We were the first soft goods store to open in 2007. Before that, there hadn't been any soft goods store openings in downtown. You said soft goods? Yeah. What, like, what does that mean? Like, uh, you know, apparel, uh-huh. like, you know... Shit, hard goods is like, mater- like uh, metals and shit like that. Oh. Like just soft goods is just like shit you see, you know, like grocery stores and uh-huh. shit like that. Uh, but there hadn't been one open in fifty years. Wow, that's it, how that's how undeveloped <laughs> downtown Houston has been. It was. It, now the yeah. shit is popping. Though. Yeah, it's starting. It's starting to get there. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, Doman shot um, a, a video at your store, right? Hell yeah! Shout out to the homie, man. You know. First, we, we had him on the podcast too, bro. Oh, don't end up. I can't say enough about this young man, bro. Like, just the way he. I was just talking to Demo about it, man. The way this dude chops on beats. 
he's, yeah, he's hungry. Yeah, he's hungry. Uh, he's aggressive. Um, he, it's like he, it's no. What's the word I'm looking for? Like, um, you could tell he almost has like the competitive fighter background in him, only because, like you said, he he attacks the beat, and you you know there's commitment and confidence. And um, you know, demo. Uh, uh, you know, you still teach a break free demo? No. No. Okay. Well, you know, over at Break Free, I'm sure as they were teaching the kids like lyricism and rhyming and performing and DJing and uh, art and expression, I'm sure like commitment. And just kind of like that—that's a big thing for everything, man. Especially. And conviction and commitment, yeah. man. Like conviction is, a, you know, you gotta, you gotta have that conviction about to talk about certain like this, like Doman. That that dude has conviction about putting the Mexican flag up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and you know, I haven't heard like a Mexican rapper like that in a long time. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. just that—that's like lyrical like that, mm-hmm. and just talk about like what's really going on. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause. Yeah. We have no voice, you know what I'm saying? We need a voice. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going to say this little thing. When I heard that uh, song, that Joiner joint, that I'm not a racist, Who? I don't know if you heard it. It's this kid named Joiner. He has this song called I'm Not a Racist. Uh-huh. If you haven't heard it, you need to hear that. When I heard, it's basically like a black dude rhyming as a white guy and as a black guy, giving both like the perspective uh-huh. of each other. Uh-huh. And, and like the first thing that came to my mind, obviously, because everything that I've been through was like, yo, Somebody we, Mexicans, we still don't have a voice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Nobody's yeah. talking about this shit. Our, our point like, of view. Uh-huh. It's black and white issues only. But there's a lot of people in between that. And the first thing I did is I texted Dome and I was like, "Yo, you gotta eat this beat." You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Now I don't know if he's doing it, but I was like, "Yo, that's the first part." I was like, "There ain't nobody I know that could give this 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 view of the Mexicans looking in at this white and black uh, issues." You know what I mean? So, um, so Houston is starting to kind of like brand itself as a the diverse city in America. And when Anthony Bourdain, you know, this is like, this is how I gather the information. When Anthony Bourdain wanted to come to Houston and um, show, I think he specifically was quoted in a magazine saying, I don't want to show the traditional same old, like the white barbecue place or whatever. So he was like, I want some Vietnamese shit popping. Like take me to a black barbecue spot. I want to meet some Mexicans. And um, to get the, the full to kind of display everything and now they contacted you david and so he he initially didn't even want to do barbecue he didn't want nothing to do american he he didn't care for anything american just fuck <laughs> all he wanted to do is so whenever i came out of my situation with immigration or whatever um shortly after i got a call from a producer and he's like hey i produced the show there's my production company we're looking we, we have a show and we're looking to do a show in houston we want to know if you're interested and just kind of give you perspective on what's going on in America right now. Excuse me. And so, long story short, two, two calls after, they're like, yo, just so you know, it's for Anthony Bourdain. We've always wanted to do a show in Houston, but we've never had the the angle. You know what I'm saying? And this is the angle. Like, we just, Anthony Bourdain got a hold of your story somehow. And he was like, yo, I have to do the show. This is the angle. Because, you know, it was 2016 and it was a very political year. So he that was like the angle that he wanted to go at it. So when he did it, um, he called me. We, we had we had a conversation. And then that was it, man. Like, we just started kind of playing it from there. Uh, a lot of people don't know that I helped curate the whole, like, not the whole show, but a good portion of it. Um, I I was, my boy Arash was supposed to be on there. He He's the executive chef at Beavers. Um so we were he was supposed to do a segment because he's he's half Iran from half Iranian and half Mexican, um, and then uh, 
the idea, I heard that uh no he's a paisa Persian hey <laughs> exactly <laughs> so um I heard that Anthony wanted to try uh some lean and shit what so fucking Anthony Bourdain man he would I, be the one to do it because uh, he's he's talked about like in his book and on his TV shows like how he used to do crack and used to turn up and he, that that's supposedly to everybody listening um like I'm a fan of Anthony Bourdain like his writing and the shows he produces and how he always cuz I, I I'm a nerd for like culture and anthropology and anytime I go to a place I want to see like what do locals eat where do they go and to me he's a good reference to like all right where did Bourdain go when he was in Baltimore or whatever or what's the spot in DC um so that's dope man and um so did he try the lean I mean I'm not gonna put his business out there yeah but he turned up um let's just say he's the bar baby now I I, uh (laughs) bar bar baby for sure um (laughs) I uh uh, he was like, oh, he also wanted to learn about the slab culture. He was like, yo, I find that like really interesting. And his producer's like, yo, do you know like how I could like get maybe like you know a- where I can get some slabs around yeah, here? Yeah, that's exactly what he's like. Hey, you know what? Uh, what, what you know much hey, uh, about the slab culture? He pulls out a piece of paper. Uh, this is a uh, a, it's a type of vehicle. It's a, a, a slab. slab. Yeah. Uh, Swingers. And I was like, yeah, I know a lot about that actually. Uh, as a matter of fact, the weekend that w- that Tony's gonna be here, there's uh slab fest. I'm a Gregor Park. Um, you guys should try to like reach out to Slim's people and see if they, you guys can roll through and you know what I'm saying. Oh, perfect timing. And he was like, "Cool, cool." Long story short, bam, like glue. That shit hit. They came out. They filmed there, and you know, my fights got to get their shine on, so they took him to Burns Barbecue. You uh-huh. know what I'm saying? Yeah, Which yeah. is Slim's favorite spot. So, okay. and where, I, where I, is that? It's in Nakers Homes. If oh, I'm okay. Mistaken. Yeah. Fofo. I've okay. never been, but uh, I'm pretty sure it's there. Uh, and so, you know. He did that, and then he, uh, what? Where was it? He do? Oh, he went to the Himalaya on the southwest side. That what is mar- that? So it's like a Persian market, oh. and they also have like little restaurant and stuff. Um, the Southwest is that's a whole nother world, man. Like it's a whole another Middle East. I get story. lost. I get lost in the Southwest. One time, I had to go uh, drop off some tamales. True story. Uh, at a at a flea market off uh, the dude gave me the direction. He's like, I'm over here off Highway Six. And I think Gessner or something. And I'm like, where in the fuck? It was so like uh populated and it was so far. I was like, I feel like I'm I'm far as hell. And it's like a shit ton of people. And I feel like I'm way on the outskirts. You feel like you really do feel like an outsider out there. I I, I mean I'm from the you know, I grew up kinda on the north side, north central. Um uh, and I remember the first time I went out there, I was like, Man, what the fuck is all these Asians and fucking Salvadorians and, and black like, folks and just a yeah. cluster. Of sh- and I was yeah. like, yo. All intermix, yeah. All, and I was like, yo, this shit is kind of fire. You know what I mean? Like, so it was, you know, definitely you could get lost in the sauce over there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I want to ask you this on, on, on air, though. Do you still, can can the, can your boy get some tamales? Cause nah, I never man, got I, some. I never got, I never got some, man. Nah, I'm, I'm way That's out of it. the mix. No, I just eat them now. Damn, though. Um, you know, only because, like, the way I look at things now, man, is like I've dibbed and dabbed in a bunch of stuff. And if I were to like really <clears throat> like really put my hat in the in the ring, if they if per to say, per se, um, I'd make sure that I was aligned with the right team and my, I I'm so busy with like just the comedy business that I'd be disrespecting the food business if I didn't really just have my shit together down yeah. packed. So it's not just a little like, oh yeah, you used to do that for a little while. What was that thing? Did you still got it in six months? Damn. Nah, I don't. I don't want to. I'm do assuming that. that shit. This shit was some work, man. I mean, 
I mean, shit, I remember when I was coming up, you know what I mean? I used to just, I was like, yo, we need to roll up on, see what he said with them tamales, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But we never catch it, though. He was in the movie. I mean, mainly, bro, mainly, the, uh, I was in, I was knee deep in the music business. So it was still kind of like a little thing, a little side thing in the winter or just something to keep. It, it was almost like a, um, coming at it at a different angle to where that would promote my music. Yeah, you yeah. know, that had my MySpace jumping. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's just from though. like, man, this dude not only busts out the CDs. Because that was just part of the whole, the whole, um, the little world that I wanted to create for this character, for this persona. Is have it to where it's a whole little world to where when, when he's at a spot or when he shows up, it's going to be totally just different. Almost like, almost like performance art. Oh, this shit was genius, bro. Like your marketing... I mean, now that I, you know, I yeah. I understand marketing. That shit was on the whole another level. You know what I mean? That was early two thousand shit, and that was before, to me I before was, YouTube. Yeah, before, yo, that was before the MP3, before the ringtone. Stuff. I was like, man, this <laughs> this fucking dude was just genius on on the marketing tip, man. So it's you know just to see you diversify your portfolio is super super tight. You know what I mean? Like, and then you know. Your paisa too, so yeah, just evolving, you know. So, so uh, to back to the episode, man. Um, I still haven't seen that that Anthony Bourdain Houston episode. I'll be the first one to tell you, man. That ain't shit. You you weren't crazy about it? Nah, man. Uh, well, I could. I'm not biased mm -hmm. by all means. I took him to a spot that was dear to me because when I came to the states, my mom, the first re one of the first restaurants that I remember going to is this little spot, Cala Guadalupana, uh -huh. right on down Lavi. Dunlavy and what is that? In like right, right a block away from Westheimer and Dunlavy. Okay. Um, and there's this older dude, man. He's been knocking out of the park for 20 years in the same spot, so he's seen the the change of Montrose to what it is now. Is he still there? Yeah, man. Okay. Pana it, it was like a panaderia, but now he has a re well, not now, but a few years ago he put a restaurant in there. And he just makes food, man. Whatever is, he is wants to Mexico make. Mexico City style? No, nah, just Mexican. Okay. I think he's from Puebla. Okay. And uh, the guy is super humble, man. I've never been to that place where that man is not happy to just be working. Mm -hmm. Super happy, super, like, energetic, man. And so when I took him there, obviously I sent the scouts first. They were like, yo, what's the spot that you'd like to take him? And I wanted to, I wanted to take him to a spot where somebody deserved that shine. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Somebody deserved to, to be put on mm -hmm. that level. Not that he needed my, yeah. my putting on, but yeah. I'd like for, you know. Somewhere where it was dear to me, so so the scouts went, they loved it, and then Anthony went with me. We did an interview for an hour and a half. I mean, for about an hour. We're supposed to only run thirty minutes. It was she ran an hour, and uh, my my segment, which was the reason that I agreed to do the show, didn't make it on the cut because they were rushed by CNN for the, to, the final. So, yeah. so you know how it goes, like dudes is taping or filming, and then they finish the tour and then they edit. Well, mm -hmm. these dudes was rushed by CNN to do the shit so fast that they had to edit and shoot at the same time wow. on the road. So the, the producers called me like three weeks before and they were like, yo, man, like Anthony doesn't want to put your segment out, like rush it. He wants to do it properly. So, uh -huh. you know, there's a chance that we might not be able to put it on the episode. And I was like, man, you know. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? At least, I, you know, I got to do what I wanted to do. You custom out in Spanish, hung up. Yeah, right about. You <laughs> I'm know what just I'm saying? kidding. No, I, I wish. No, no, the, the, the people was tight, man. But, you know, we, I, I wanted it to be, uh, to speak about, you know, whatever I dealt with. Because I was just one person that has a voice. You know, there's millions of people that go through that. With so, so go ahead and tell us, like, your, your, what happened with the immigration? 
Well, you know, I was a knucklehead growing up, man. So I got in trouble with the police when I was 17. Then, you know, tried to get my shit together, left the hood, moved to the southwest side by myself, went to culinary school. Um, long story short, man, I hadn't been in trouble or anything like that. Uh, 2010, I decided to move to Midtown, and I should have known. Um, and, you know, I live in a pretty nice building and stuff. And me, me and my girlfriend at the time was coming home from jogging, like, at 11. Uh, this dude, like, I'm trying to get into the building. This dude is blocking the door. Long story short, this dude gets out of the car, like, super little. He he might be, like, five, six, maybe, uh-huh. you know, but he's just all muscle. Uh-huh. He starts banging on my car because I flashed the lights, and I was like, yo, I'm trying to get in there. Like, uh-huh. I live here. I was just, they you were know, just, I was just But like, they yo. were out there blocking the entrance and, and all that. And the guy, like, instead of being like, yo, I got you, he got upset, and he got out of the car, started banging on my fucking hood, wow. yeah. opened my door, and, you know, wow. I get out of the car, and I'm like, yo, I'm not trying to fight you, G. I live right here, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And then... At the time, my girlfriend, like I said, she ain't never seen me activate before, so I'm like, mm-hmm. this is not the time. I'm like, you know, I'm trying to go home. Yeah. Then two of his homies get out the car. I get in the car, close the door. He opens my door again. And my wife used to, well, she's not my wife. Same young lady. Um, she used to play softball, so she had her bag in the back of the seat mm-hmm. of my Jeep. Uh-huh. So then he opens the door, and I'm like, yo, I've been jumping before, man. This ain't going to happen again. So I get the bat, and I'm like, yo. Split, you know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to fight none of yeah. y'all. Get in the car again, and I thought it was over, man. So he rounds the car, and um, my wife had the window open. She's like, yo, David, get in the car, get in the car. I'm like, yeah, cool, cool. I get in the car, and I'm thinking it's over. So he circles the car, and he hits the window and the car and hits my mirror and breaks my mirror, makes a loud-ass noise, and my wife screams. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And I mean, I don't really go crazy for a lot of things, but I pretty much cracked this dude in the back of the dome. Good. When I when I came to, he was on the floor bleeding. Well, you know that the, he should have. Hey, man. <laughs> and the first shit. Thing, how many how many warnings? And the first thing he said, you like, yo, it was so crazy, man. He went from like super tough dude, like skin, like bald dude. You know what I mean? Skinhead type of so dude. What the hell's wrong with you, man? He's like, you just assaulted me. Is the first ah, thing he said. You a, come on. And so man. I freaked out, and I get in the car, and I just I literally drove you around. just and he used the word assault. Yeah, he's like, you just assaulted me. <laughs> Can you believe this shit, Taylor? It's Taylor's first first day on the job, man, and he he can't he can't believe he can't this. believe it. The stupidity of some people, but for can't believe it. believe it. Um, what the fuck? But you know, long story short, man, they I literally drove across the street and I could see everything that was happening. The police showed up. I was just waiting for the police to show up. This dude called the cops yeah. after they started everything. So I I go across the street and oh, I'm, I'm parked wow. in, in the parking lot across because I don't want no more trouble. And then I see the police get there. So I'm like, you know, when the police gets there, I'm gonna roll up so I can get my side of the story. But shit, dog, they ain't even ask me no questions, dog. They grab my bitch ass, put handcuffs wow. on me, bam, you got assault with a deadly weapon case now. Wow. So I fought it for two years, you know. I I didn't I, I, I didn't beat the case, but I signed for a misdemeanor. I saw for assault with bodily injury. That's so crazy, man. That y'all were the ones being like harassed. Yeah. So then uh long story short, you know, I beat I beat the case. Well, I, I didn't beat the case because I technically pleaded guilty to a lesser case, which led me to, you know, kind of be still a, a resident in the States. Because, by the way, I'm only a resident throughout this whole process. So I'm just trying not to get deported. So I got a real lawyer, like a big time lawyer. And then I got an immigration lawyer because I needed to make sure that this felony didn't stick. Because if it stuck, then I was going to be deported. Yeah. I was going to take my, my residency card and I was going to be deported. So... We find they finally agreed to give us a lesser case, which is a solid bodily injury, 
and I'm chilling, man. I'm traveling. You know, I, that was the last thing that ever happened. I'm chilling. You know, I'm trying to get come up, come up out the hood. So never had no issues coming in and out of the country. I traveled, you know, and then I get married in uh, 2000. Fuck, she gonna kill me. <laughs> 2015. We'll, we'll edit this part. Yeah, 2015. 2015. <laughs> uh, and coming back from our honeymoon, they grabbed me at uh, the Miami airport and they said that I have a felony in my case. Ooh. And I'm like, yo, but I don't have a felony That's in my so case. That's so crazy. And so that turned into like a 16-hour stay at the inside the secondary questioning. They kicked my wife out of the room. So she out there. I'm not even sure what the fuck's going on. So I come out. She's outside waiting for me, crying, obviously. Uh, but when they... When they let me go, they took my residency card away. They said, hey, man, you need to pick that up in this Houston location. We're going to give you a time and place to pick it up. So I go pick it up. I mean, I was reading about it. You know what I'm saying? I, I gave my whole a whole month to learn about what was going to happen. And I didn't really, really want to tell nobody, but basically I knew I was probably going to get locked up for a little bit. Mm. Uh, so I, I grabbed about a G, uh, took cash out, you know what I'm saying, and then hired a lawyer to represent me. She couldn't represent me because nobody can speak for you. It's like basically the government against you. So there's no lawyers involved because it's immigration. So they're like, we have a case to charge them. He, you, you don't need a lawyer right now. And it, it, when you told them, hey man, I pled for a misdemeanor. They don't give a They're fuck just like, no, nah, I don't see that on here. So when we were at the airport, I basically, I had one of my friends break into my house to go into my save so he can get my court papers and saying that I have... Yeah, a you know my disposition, my disposition, which was a you know a, a, it was a misdemeanor. He faxed it over, and they're like, "Now nah, it has to be notarized." And Ooh. I was like, "Oh shit!" So anyway, come here, you know, deal with that stuff. Then I show up, and just like when I got caught up in in 2010, they hand me up, they grab me, no questions. They're like, "The the government has um, enough proof to charge you," uh, and we don't know what the charges are, but you're gonna be locked up. So they they. They locked me up in a detention center here in the north side of Houston. And they held me there for what was supposed to be like 10 days. Ended up turning into three months uh, in this detention center. So that's, you know, I came out of that. And that's when whole Anthony Bourdain saw the whole thing. And so, you know, I put it to you like this. Dog. Like if anybody's going through immigration shit, don't call a lawyer if they just got apprehended. Like call me. I'll tell you how to deal with that shit because the lawyers are going to take your money 10 out of 10 times. They'll take the money and know that they really no, can't they, do anything? Knowing that they... No, like, I've helped so much people just by talking to them about their shit and uh -huh. be like, you know, even my employees, some of my employees at, at, at uh, my old jobs, they're like, hey, uh, chef, uh, you know, my dad got caught up for, you know, he had maybe like a grand of coke or weed or domestic violence. Like, he, you know, he and I got into it. So now he has a case of domestic violence. Like, and I'm going to tell you the three things that immigration does not fuck around with. Um, child abuse, domestic violence, and drugs. Even if you have like a smidget of cocaine on you, is is they don't fuck around with that. You're gonna be gone regardless. But like Yana, it's only a smidgen. <laughs> and the lawyers are gonna tell you, <laughs> no, oh, that's nah, nah, a nah. smidgen and a half, Playboy. Yeah. And, the, and the lawyers are gonna tell you, nah, I can, yeah, it's a smidgen. I got you. We could beat the case, and they'll take your ten grand because it's a retainer of ten grand, most likely. He's and like, they'll give, take give that me shit. ten grand. I'm gonna tell him it's a smidgen. And we're going to be out of here. And we're going to throw that shit up. Take the shit to trial. Yeah. We're going to lawyer up. We're going to get everybody. Johnny Cochran going to be We're going to so, pitch the miniseries where you play a chef who gives legal counsel. 
to uh, you know, your peers, <laughs> and you take them in the back by the kitchen, by the by the freezer, and you're like, check this out, check Playboy. This, yeah, this is how we're gonna do this. You gonna say it's a smidgen, and we're gonna be out of there. That's so fucking crazy, dude. Yeah. So, you know, needless to say, man, like being in there, I learned so much, man. Cause, I mean, you you can only read in there. I mean, I'm in this fucking cage with forty other dudes, man. You know what I'm saying? So, what what kind of you said it was like an immigration detention? Type yeah, of place? it's called. What is it called? It's basically like a jail, though. What's well, a jail? For but, people but that they are about to you, get... They treat immigrants like a like max. It's a maximum security prison. Like I couldn't talk to you face to face. It's a glass phone. Pablo Escobar. I mean, they they treat that shit like like uh, UL Chapo. But place. the thing about it is that it's prisons for profit. You know what I mean? That, Privately owned. That that uh, what's it called? I'll, I'll the name will come to me real quick. That prison right there is is owned by Halle Burton, which in turn is Dick owned Cheney. by Dick Cheney. Yeah, uh, Dick Cheney. And that's just this is just one. There's hundreds of those things in in America. So basically, camps. They're little. They're little camps for profit. And they cut corners. And then people get what happens, especially when it comes to like immigration stuff. They finessed it to the point when it comes to the laws and the paperwork to where it's by design. That system by design is in no way, shape, or form to benefit Nobody. the immigrant or anybody. No, it's no. only to benefit the people who own. Sorry, I peaked. It's only to to benefit the system, which is for money. That's it. Uh, so I on mean, that note, free Meek Mill for real. Free my dog Boosie again. No, but but the immigration thing is crazy because people get lost in the shuffle. They get lost in the paperwork, and before you know it, your tia and your nephews and your cousins is somewhere down there, McAllen. And you don't. And they you don't can't even reach know where them. you at. They don't know. Like this man, dog. Like I feel so bad for so many people in there because these. I mean, they don't even half of these dudes don't even know where they at. They don't even know if they're in Texas or North Carolina. A lot of the time, they just know they're in Texas because they told them. They were gonna come to Texas. They don't even know where the hell they at. You know what I mean? And you know, they cut corners. Like food is the shittiest food ever. No lie to you. I, before I got locked up, I had went to to get my physical like six months like before blood tests and everything. Yeah, I came out. You know, decent. After that, yo, my my cholesterol was double what it should have been just because I was eating that shit food. Wait, what kind of food was it? Dog, I mean, dog food, really, like, that shit looked like dog food. You know, gravy with, like, canned meat, like, it, it just... Like slop. It just, it was nasty, man. I mean, you get canned veggies, like, peas and green beans and shit. I mean, it's, it's, it's bad conditions. And they cut corners because, guess what? The commissary there, like, when you go to county and you chill in the county, a fucking soup is, like, 25 cents, right? Over there is 70 cents. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, things like that, like, you know, some barritas and shit, they're, like, you know... Seventy five cents over there, they're a dollar twenty five. So everything is just money, 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 money. Yeah. They cut corners on the food so you can spend more food on commissary. But if you don't have that commissary, they still not paying f- shit for food because it's the is the very very minimal food you need. Mm-hmm. Um, so it co- it costs an average of two hundred and fifty dollars a day per person for every day that like every day that I was there, it costed the taxpayer two hundred fifty dollars. You know what I'm per saying? Per day. Per day. Per inmates, but 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 as an inmate, you're not getting anything. Nothing. I mean, you might. So I'm, it's straight profit. They're uh, probably I, spending five five ten dollars on you, if that. If that daily. Just plant paying like the people who work there. You get shower. You know what I'm saying you get your shower, but you got to buy your own soap. I mean, I mean, you got soap, but it's like those little soaps that you know. what I'm saying you still smell like asshole whenever you shower with those. Um, it's right. just bad. They condition. got that uh, asshole soap. 
It's just bad, man. Like, it's just not a good condition. You know what I'm saying? It's fucked up, man. It's so crazy, dude. So. And it's almost, you almost feel like your hands are tired because it's like, how do you undo a system that has been designed and, and it's like you have the law, when you have the law on your side in terms of like. Jim Adler? No, no, that's not what I mean. <laughs> like, like, say you're the man and your whole plot is this. Hey, man, I, I, I need the, the people who make laws. I need those laws to be harsher and stricter and please give these people more time because it benefits me. So who do I got to go bribe so that these lawmakers could start making shit in my favor? And then they turn around, uh, figure out a way to get the contract so that, hey, I want the state of Texas or whoever to pay me $250 per inmate per bed per head. And and um, they probably getting paid off the construction of it, too. It's oh, like, yeah, oh, sure. I need a contract. Who's going to get... Especially if you own Hall- Halliburton as well. Hey, I need the contract from the state to be awarded, not only to be a private jail owner, but I also want to be the one to build the motherfucker. And I need the taxpayers to pay me per head. And I want to be in cahoots with the laws. So if they could... They'd have HPD and cops be able to go around checking everybody, going door to door. Uh, you know, it sounds extreme, do. but it's been done. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know, man, about Japanese concentration camps yep. in this country. It was not that long ago. It was not that long ago. There oh. were there were Japanese American communities, like people who were just like us, like Mexican American, and then from one day to the next, a war breaks out, and all of a sudden we can't trust y'all. They round motherfuckers up. And they put them in these camps. But this has been done for years, bro. Like, look at the Native Americans. You know what I'm saying? This this is not new to America, man. Nothing like new. People act like it's new. Like when they when they heard my story, they're like, "Oh my god, dude, yeah. we got like them." I am an outrage. You know, yeah. and and I'm like, motherfucker, this is I'm just I'm just blessed and lucky to have an audience. Like, you know, I called a homie, uh, one of the homies, and I was like, "Yo, run this fucking story for me. We need to get this shit out." I had every major news channel in a press conference. But everybody get and even from that dog, like everybody was trying to benefit. It's like, hey, uh, hey, David, we want to run the exclusive with exclusive. you. You know what I'm saying? I was like, what the fuck, exclusive, man? If I'm gonna talk about this and yeah. put my face on the fucking TV, I want all of y'all to be there. This is where I'm gonna do it. If you want to be there, cool. If you don't want to be there, that's tight too. Everybody from Channel Two all the way to Channel Sixty Seven News was there. La Subasta, uh, Houston Press. The only the only ones that were not there was Houston Chronicle. I don't know why, mm-hmm. but that's the only major news outlet that was not at the press conference. But everybody just, I was just blessed to have, you know, an audience in the case and, and homies that work in good places that could get my story out. Resources, this is yeah. Not new, man. Imagine if you didn't speak English or if you if just I have money, bro. If you were just like a dishwasher at a spot and and, and didn't and nobody in your family had any like know how. If I, if, bro, if I didn't have even just the, a little bit of savings to be able to pay the lawyers off, I would have lost the case. Even though it's, it's so embarrassing for it should be so embarrassing for the immigration system and for the immigration for INS and Homeland Security. How embarrassing this is, bro. Even whenever I was winning, like you know, everybody there's people there that have been fighting it for a year, a year and a half. All those people looked at me like you ain't gonna win, dog. Nobody wins here. And I was like, oh, I'm going to win. I got a case. I'm, yeah. I'm going to win. They were like, nah, you ain't, nobody wins. They, who who told you that? The cops? I mean, nah, the, the, the cops the and, and, the, and C, the CEOs. Uh-huh. But there's also other inmates. Ah, uh, got it. That they, they might have a fightable case, but they don't know how to go about it. So they were, they were just, spirits are all on the ground, you know? So they, they don't even believe they can win. That's how little people win. Like no hope. Uh-huh. And then when I finally got a, 
a court date, which was a month and a half in, I, that's when they're like, okay, this is the court date you have, which was another month out. And the judge that I got, they're like, you know, his deportation rate is 98%. The judge? The judge. Like they're proud of the, the statistic, yeah. Right about. But, but, but I also heard that he was a very fair judge, and he went by the book. He was not one of these old dudes. Mm-hmm. He was a younger dude. He, he just went by what the law said. So whenever they tried to deport me because they said I had a felony, and they couldn't fabricate one to save their lives. I hired a lawyer. He tried to take my money, so I fired him. That's another thing that Rasa don't know, man. You could you hire a lawyer, you can fire them, that dude, man. You can mm-hmm. fire him. That's that's your money. People, like we're so grateful to have a lawyer. Like yeah. I'm paying this dude ten grand. I shouldn't be grateful. He should be grateful that I'm hiring yeah. him. And so that's another you know disadvantage that we have because we're not allowed to talk back, not allowed to like stand up for ourselves. So. I fired the first. I fired the first two lawyers. Then so, I got me another one. He. So were they were they ever able to pull up some type of paperwork and be like, "Oh my bad, it's not a felony. Sorry, it's a misdemeanor." That's you exactly can- what happened. My law, the third lawyer, third lawyer. He was like, "Let's figure out." This dude took the case three days before I went to court, but I already knew he was a good lawyer because he was like, I mean, a week before court. My wife's like, "I found this lawyer. You know, I, I caught one of my homies. He's a lawyer." And I was like, yo, you, you know any immigration lawyers that's tight? Like, I need I need one. Like, you know what I'm saying? You're going to be doing me a solid. So he's like, let me give you this one. He gave me his old his old professor. He's like, this dude is he's good. I I changed lawyers a week before, you know. So we changed up the whole strategy. I uh-huh. was freaked out because I was like, man, a week out. This yeah. dude going to have no time to prep. Uh-huh. Yo, this dude walked in. He told my wife, my mom's so like, yo. I'm not gonna take the case unless I meet him. I need to meet him in person. The other two, the other two lawyers didn't care. They ain't even came to see me one time. So he came, we met. He was like, "All right, let me get this package ready." He got the package ready. Boom, we we walked into court like champs. He was like, you know, he led the because you don't go over there. You don't deal with the DA with the uh, district attorney. You deal with the GA, which is a government attorney. Mm. So he 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 goes. The GA does all he's talking. He you know he explains my charges and why I'm being held. To the judge, and then my lawyer finds the the only lawyer out of these three. He's the only one that found like the the fight. He was like, "Can you explain to me why my client is being held when he's never been charged with a felony?" And dog, uh, the judge, he's fucking. He was so surprised. His eyes was like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So he's like, he starts going through the paperwork, and dog, uh, the stare that the judge gave the GA was he wanted to slap the shit out of him. He was like, how did GA get away with that? How how they just fabricate? Like once again, nobody they just they, no, everybody's no. in cahoots and they're just used to getting over on people. Would, would you ever consider like turning that into a movie? Uh, like pitching you know, low, low key, uh, Anthony Bourdain's producers. Uh, there was one of the guys that writes books from. He was like, "Yo, you should write a book." Yeah. And I was like, and then turn that whole new movie. You know, I, I'm from I'm I'm from the hood, so I'm like, yeah, you had Leonardo DiCaprio. Play I was like, you, what bro? you mean? The Mexican, right? <laughs> Put a little tan like on Robert him. Downey Jr. Yeah. and uh, what did they shoot that movie? <laughs> like yeah. play, Tropic Thunder Tropic when he played the black dude. Um, Esto no es justo. It's uh, like you know, uh, David speaks English in real life. Yeah, you know, he, <laughs> he know he didn't say that in court. You know that, yeah. right? Uh, Chingas a madre la migra. So yo tango papeles. So you know that that's kind of something that I've I've never really entertained, man. I'm I just don't know even I don't even know how to go about that. But you know I'm all about the people, man. If 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 I could do it and get the story out for the people, shit. You know what I mean? Like that's that that's all I. I mean things like this people just don't hear, man. Like because we're not brave enough to say, mm-hmm. you know my my mom's first first lady. My mom I love my mom, but she was like, 
you better not go over there on TV and say this shit because yeah. they gonna you gonna paint a target in your back. Oh, they yeah. gonna take. And guess what? I did it. I helped some people, and I'm a citizen now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They still give me my citizenship. So, you know, when it's right, it's right, and it's wrong. And I'm not gonna be quiet if it's wrong. I mean, I'm like, I mean, I know if I fucked up. I, I've never claimed to be something that I'm not. I'm not like a little dove. I know I, I made some bad choices when I was young. But hey, man, everybody gets a, ch- a second chance. Why should not? You know what I'm saying? And I've worked for my second chance. It's not like it was given to me. And you and you paid a hefty, hefty price. If anything, you've been shorted because it's super inconvenient. Like you had to spend money, and your freedom was taken away un- oh, they, they unjustly. Think, no, they think that uh, immigration lawyers are free. I just came out of tw- like close to thirty grand for this case that had nothing to do with me. The GA was still trying to hold me down. He was like. There's got to be a paperwork. Give me. He still held me down for two more weeks. Hey, even, though, even though your your lawyer said, "Hey, there's there's no there's fed federal uh, no the, felony." No, the judge the 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 GA gave the judge. He asked for an extension for a week. Oh, bitch! Ass. So he gave him an extension. He's like, "You better have it." And the second time he comes up, he's like, "We almost there. I need one more week." Gave me one more week. The third the, still couldn't find nothing. Nothing. The third week comes around. The third I hadn't had a court. Did your um, lawyer clap after every syllable? Like, give me a paper. No, he <laughs> should have. With the felony. He should have, man. Um, <laughs> Bet you can't find it. That's so dog, crazy. This is how coward these people are. Dog. What the they third... little white out on it? This shit, no, no, no. no. It, it wasn't him. Uh, the third time, this fool didn't even show up. The GA? The GA didn't show up. He sent another lady. Uh, the junior GA. And the lady said, uh, we have nothing on him. Puta madre. So he ain't even looking me in the eyes. Cause I would have been like, I would have danced like, like in Maury. Yeah, yeah, you. I'm danced. not guilty, yeah, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have ran. So were you able to go home? How soon after that? Uh, twelve hours after. Boom. Nah, not even like ten hours after, probably. Uh, my um. Uh, so I went back. This is how crazy this is, bro. Like in how vices are. Motherfuckers was crying in there, dog. They're like, "Yo, you beat, you beat the government, dog." Yeah, dog. You like, like you chapo. beat the government, like for real. You beat the government. That's crazy. And I and I, I kind of had to be taken back, and you know, with that money that I had, bro, I bought it. I had already bought. I always stocked up on commissary because there's people that they they don't have nothing, bro. So like, I would give them food, you know. So everybody mm-hmm. fuck with me, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. I'm, I was one of the only ones that spoke English, so. With the CEO, so I'm like, yo, man, this kid ain't got no clothes, bro. It's sick. You know, they keep it cold in there. And yeah. then it was wintertime, so I spent Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's there. And it's cold, man. Like, I'm telling you, that shit is like 35 degrees in there. In wow. there. You know what I'm saying? It's because of the germs, they say. Yeah, they don't give a fuck. And so, you know, you got these kids, bro, that try to make it out here. They, they come to America. They get caught. Caught with a smidgen. Not even. They just get caught crossing or whatever. And they, they First of all, it's not like they deport them right back when they catch them. They... Put them through the whole to fucking get the money. system yeah, to get to the get money. money. And to they, get money. They, so they, they, they bring them, some of them, all the way up to Carolina. And then in Chain Gang, they bring them to Carolina, South Carolina, Louisiana, Texas, North Texas, South Texas, and then they're out. Just shuffling, shuffling, That's shuffling. And they're like and, shuffling carts. And everybody's just getting paid along the way. They're like paid. They, they, they use your, um, like they have you captive. And the longer they can have you, like in this captivity, the more profit. But now they have this other thing called they. You know, a few years ago, this law went in where before it wasn't like penalized as bad. You know what I'm saying? You just were banned, right? They banned you for like ten years. They said if they catch this you like two like times, a, a deportation law or something. Yeah. Uh-huh. So now the law is if they catch you once, you know you you're out the door. But you know, obviously, you do the chain gang thing, and then they take you out. If you get caught again, 
they have this thing called like a like I, I forgot the name of it, but uh, we call reten like when they recatch you again mm-hmm. if if it's a repeat offense, then you do three months, and then if you get caught again, then you do a year. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, all these fools is getting. Imagine the people that get caught three times, right? Because I'm sorry, man, I hate to say this, but for an immigrant person that has nothing in Mexico, that their family is starving and they see their kids starving, I don't give a fuck how many times I'm going to try to come to this. Yeah, I'm going to come back. You know what I'm saying? So if they get caught every... And then the third time they get caught, they're gone for a year, the government gets... You know, Dick Cheney gets paid for a whole year of them being in that detention center. 250 a day, minimum. Do the math. And then as many... Uh, he Basically, that system is set up to where it's like, hey, I need y'all to go find more. I need these I laws said, to be stricter, and if and if we can, can we please get a mandatory minimum? That's what they that's really it. praying for, because that's that's, that's Christmas bonus for them. If you can get that mandatory minimum, like they do with um, like uh, the crack laws and all. That. I know Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton had a lot to do with that. So they wanted. This is what happens, man. I heard this um, this some shit. It was like a, it was like an Audible dot com podcast NPR type series, but they did like this whole six part series investigative report about mandatory minimums and they even interviewed judges and, and this one lady she kept a record of all the people she ever had to send to prison and then she kept an asterisk like she put a mark next to the ones that she would have given the context of the of the situation given the details she would have gave a, a way lesser lighter sentencing like for instance this kid was just a little runner. He only made 100 bucks. He was just going to spend it on diapers for his kid. But y'all trying to put this kingpin law on him. So what happened is when people were getting ready for re-election, what they want to do is show their uh, constituents like, hey, I'm tough on crime. Crime matters to my people that are going to vote for me. I'm tough on crime. I'm going to stand behind this mandatory minimum thing. And um, so they do it because it's re-election time. But what happens is they set up these laws to where, all right, I get it. If you're a kingpin, we're going to throw some time at you. But because a lot of these little young, like these little politicians in the middle of nowhere, like say you're in like Tyler, Texas or something, hey, uh, I like that kingpin law, but there ain't no kingpins down here. They're in Miami and New York and L.A. or whatever. Like there's no kingpins in Tyler. So how can I participate in this shit so that I can get these votes? Oh, don't worry. We're going to make it to where... It's gonna include a lot more people. So if you get district, caught, yeah. so if you get caught with a smidgen, guess what? You a kingpin. So now it's mandatory minimum. And one thing that they taught us in school, man, like sociology class, I had this gangster ass sociology teacher. She wanted me to join, so be a sociology major so bad, but I was like, nah, fuck that. So she would break shit down like this. She passed out. It was like mostly white kids, right, at the school. She passed out this anonymous, uh, like a quiz. And she said, here's a list of drugs. You don't have to put your name on it, but circle the one that you would never, ever try. Circle the one that you put a number or whatever next to the one you have tried. And then put another symbol next to one you're willing to try. She said, oh, interesting. A lot of y'all are terrified of crack, but many of y'all have tried cocaine or are willing to try cocaine. Um, And she says, it's funny because pharmaceutically, chemically, it's the same shit. It's basically a quick concentration it's like a tequila shot versus a margarita and they're just like the kids are blown away they're like what and um and and that was one (laughs) of the things and then she gave the definition of a gang and then she said what's the based on this definition what's the largest gang in america i put my hand up i was like police she's like good exactly man all the other kids are like what they're our friends they're here to protect us they're here to protect and serve she says yes but by definition so it's just so many little things man um 
There's so many little things out there that like the average motherfucker don't be knowing that shit just goes on. No, it, I mean, but also it's up to us to learn. You know what I'm saying? Like knowledge is free, man. You could we all have fucking computers in our phone. You yeah. know what I'm saying? There's no reason why we shouldn't learn. And you know, I just want all the younger kids that have parents as immigrants. I mean, luckily I, I came here young enough to where I still, you know, caught the wave and stuff. But you know, some of our parents didn't catch the wave. You know, teach your parents, man. Like you have a phone for like you ain't that motherfucker. Every day, all day anyway. You know what I'm saying? Why not use it for, you know, do something productive and educate yourself. The more we know, the more power we got. You know what I'm saying? I be harassing cops now. Like the other day, a cop oh, pulled me shit. over. He was like, uh, where you coming from? And I was like, because I live in Fifth Ward now. Uh-huh. So I bought a, a brand new house in Fifth Ward and, you know what I'm saying? I got a decent car. He pulled me over for no reason. And pulled me over. He's like, yo, uh, where you coming from? And I was like... From my house, and I was like, "The house that you saw me get out of when you was at the uh-huh. corner—that's my house. I uh-huh. own the house." Uh-huh. He was like, "Oh, all right. Can I see your license?" I was like, "Hey, uh, yeah, you can have my license, but just so you know, your front light's out. So we, you know what I'm saying? Like his cop light was yeah. out. Ah. So I was like, so I just I don't know if you knew that you, your front light's out or whatever. I'm gonna, I'm gonna need to see your uh, yeah. And so he was like, oh, 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 yeah. And I was like, see, I don't know who's rolling up on me because I can't see. It's not until you turn the lights on. Uh-huh. That I knew you was a cop, you know what I'm saying? But I already, you know, I was yeah. fucking with him. But you know what I'm saying? I find myself more brave because I know how to take on cops. You know what I'm saying? I know how, I know, how, I I mean, I'm, I'm grown now. I'm not a kid. So I'm like, yeah, you might see me like this, but I could talk to you about some shit. You know what I'm saying? I'm mm-hmm. not a dumb kid. Like, we, we, we've we all been educated, and I've been educated to the toughest of schools. You know what I'm the saying? The hard I had, way. Uh, I wish I learned any other, you know, a different way, but that's just the way I, I learned. You know what I'm saying? So now it's different, you know, because I'm a citizen. So, I'm I'm talking shit now, you know what I'm saying? They they don't they don't fucked up now. So so let me ask you, um, switch switch lanes a little bit. Um, what are some of the countries you've been to and got to eat some food? Uh, I been to London, uh, been, well England. Uh, from there I've been to Belize. Also I've been to I, I mean, this is this is my idea, you know what I'm saying? Like, I I, I like traveling, mm-hmm. but. Dog, I, I love my country, man, and I've been everywhere in Mexico. Like, there's, there's not really many parts of Mexico that I haven't been to, mm-hmm. uh, and I just keep going back because I'm like, yo, I, I want to learn this so bad. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, you know, we're we're getting ready to make some trips this next year. I've never been to Asia, so I want to go to what part do, are y'all going to? I, I want to go to Thailand. Okay. Yeah. Um, or even Vietnam. A lot of people don't yeah. know how. Yeah, Vietnam, Vietnam is beautiful. Sure. Both of those are on my list. Yeah. So, there. Um, but you know. Amsterdam, I've been, I've been there. Um, so you know, it's it's cool to travel, but I don't know. Like I, I find myself going back to, even now that I'm going back home so often to see my pops in Mexico City. That's a different city than when I remember. You know what I'm saying? Like if I sit here and it's show changed, you huh? the pictures that I grew, how I grew up, you probably won't believe it. You know what I mean? Like how I grew up, grew up. Like we grew up in a very fucked up way, and so like. Put it to you like this. You seen the Langhill, right? The Langhill, yeah. So back when I was a kid, I couldn't even stand there. I couldn't I couldn't walk up those steps and Why? Like, admire it. Because I, I looked dirty. Like I uh-huh. looked like a homeless. I was a homeless kid. I was homeless when I was six. Uh-huh. And I couldn't even go there. So one of the first time that I went back as a grown-up, or one of the first times that I went back as a grown-up, I just walked right up to it. And it was a little bicep cop right there, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And I was like, yo, I want to get all the way up there. And the homie's like, nah, you can't. You know, when you need this permit from like the the city. And I'm like, man, fuck this permit. Take this $20, bro. Uh-huh. He's like, shit. 
pocket that shit, let me all the way up there, dog. I almost he was shit like it. American. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm. I mean, you know what I'm saying? That's symbolic to me. So yeah. I, you know, just being able to go back home and really enjoy it. You know what I mean? Like fully. Yeah. For 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 what it is, like it's it's really a very thriving city in the world, not just in America. Like. Yeah, it, it's a <clears throat> super like international hub, like finance and. I mean, it's, it's Latin America. It's the design everything. capital of the world now. Design. The world, uh-huh. not even just America, like Paris, mm-hmm. I'm talking London, Paris, New York, LA, Mexico mm-hmm. City is the number one design capital of the world for architecture. I, I honestly tell my friends, like, I don't know why I want to go back to Amsterdam or Europe. You I could just Mexico go to Mexico City. City. If you've never been, you're going to know what I'm talking about. If you've mm-hmm. been to Europe and you've wasted, you know, $10,000 on a trip, you can go down the road an hour and a half flight, and you're gonna be like, "Damn, this is." Yeah, know. a lot of people sleep on Mexico City. Um, I I've been a handful of times, but it was all recent. So as a kid, we only got to see the frontera, like um, Tamaulipas, Hermoso, the little towns, little ranches and shit, and like Monterrey, like once and. But um, but yeah, right now I mean right now it's trippy, and and the unfortunate thing is like. I know that my daughter and and just her like cultural, um, you know, just speaking Spanish and n- under, really appreciating your roots and traditions and where you're from, like respect your elders and, you know, just all this beautiful stuff and, and just knowledge. Um, she misses out on a lot of that because, you know, I, I need to take her to like Mexico City. A lot, a lot of places are dope and safe, but like where I grew up, it's a little iffy. You know, you got to kind of find a way to navigate and I don't know Make if I want to put yeah I don't know if I want to put anyone else in that position uh, I mean I'm down to kind of go but um but yeah like a lot of people sleep on Mexico City and and some people just even my, even myself I didn't really know what to expect and and like how many millions of people is it like 18? it's so uh, the cons- the census the real census for the city is 23 million people 23 million but a lot of people don't know there's favelas in Mexico City right all in the, it's in like the what mountain. is that like shanty town? Like, like in the yeah, like in the mountains, there's like houses that, I mean, unregistered. Like, yeah, and know. so no, they, it is believed that there's be, be, between four and six more million people there that that ain't even that uh, ain't accounted even for. Accounted for. So that's a good damn near thirty million. And yeah. and does that census number, uh, does that include all those suburbs? Because um, inter- well, the the Zumbango, all, yeah, all that stuff. Everything that's like that has a municipal court or like a you know some like a like a district court, which a lot of those towns do, uh, is registered. The uh, the ones that are in the in the in the mountains, those are the ones that they can't register because they just keep popping up. You know, like in Mexico, there's no laws of where you can. I mean, you could go over there and say, "Hey, I'm gonna fucking put a house right here." You can put it right there, but if enough people move there to that area, and the government has to make roads now there and put light posts. They're gonna tear your shit down, you know. Mm-hmm. But the, the people they know that going into that, so you know they make very minimal houses. They don't really spend, but you know it doesn't happen often. But if if they got to put a road where it's so, you know, it's populated, they got to put a road eventually. Mm-hmm. Then the people that are gonna be closest to the road, they're gonna. Man, when when I went to Mexico City recently, I hooked up with some um like some artists. They're out there doing some like Latin trap. These dudes is out there like really dripping sauce out there, man. Like these kids. On some very artistic. There's so much expression in Mexico, um, Mexico City. Um, 
it, it just blows my mind, man. And, Who and, you got up with? Uh, Aleman, a kid named Aleman. Um, of course, uh, I've linked up with Sekan several times, but he's out of Guadalajara, oh. but he was there. Uh, I did a little gig. <clears throat> I did a little show there. Shout out to my boy Fat Tony, man. Fat Tony and Ill Faded. They were out there. I, I got to go out there again with the um, the Texans and Bud Light when the Texans played the Raiders and the Raiders cheated, putting the lasers, you know what I'm talking about? Um, but it, it was lit, man. We got to go to some clubs and and it's it's amazing how many people speak English out there. Mm-hmm. Um the food, that's like the main, main thing. I got to go to the pyramids. That shit um, is, that shit is, uh, is, uh, I, I mean, I, I grew up as a kid. One of the things that I remember doing is going to the pyramids in Xochimilco. Mm-hmm. But going back as a grown up, man, like you, man, I can't, you can't even explain that shit, man. I, I don't know how these motherfuckers built that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how they, I don't know if you got to do the sound thing. Uh-uh. Uh, like, uh, there's a little pedestal. You're at the top of the pyramid. There's a pedestal, like, at the bottom of the pyramid, but, like, way out there. And if the priest who's conducting these ceremonies, he could stand right there. But if he moves, like, if he moved three feet this way, you couldn't hear him anymore from the top of the pyramid. Mm-hmm. But if he stood right there where the, where the marked area was, the you could hear him all the way to the top of the pyramid. Mm-hmm. And those are things that you people can't explain, like, how, you know... How these motherfuckers figured that shit out, like mapping the stars, like. Yeah. And, and another thing too that um I don't know if it's like proven or how you could compare if it's apples and oranges, but like a lot of the education out there is more advanced, like math and science. Like a lot of the kids, they already know how to calculate got, a bunch of shit. That's why I got my ass in trouble when I came here. When I came here, uh, I was in, I was supposed to I was supposed to be going to sixth grade. Instead, they put me in fifth grade. Um, and you know I. Went through my little first shy phase of of uh, three a, three months of uh, elementary school and then the went, language and all that. Yeah, um, and then I went through uh, to middle school. Well, they pulled me almost two grades down because I didn't know English. So they, instead of putting me sixth grade going to seventh grade because I came here the winter break, uh, they put me in fifth grade going to sixth grade. So like I remember like doing math in middle school. And I kept getting in trouble because I was like, it's just too easy. I just, then I go around, fuck around and get in trouble. So, you know, it, the system, a lot of people don't know, man. America is only number 17th in. We're, we're actually in very literally. behind in a lot of shit. Like even, um, even this is, this is hella off subject. Even like infant mortality and shit like that. Like the mom's dying, giving birth in these hospitals. We up uh, here? Is High in America compared to all these developing countries. I didn't even know why. This is another example of the system is designed to benefit the hospitals and the profit. It's not what's best for the baby or the mom. Like they got the um, they 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 drugging them up. They they giving all these experimental drugs like pain relievers and stuff for the for the mom, and then the baby comes out fucked up. Fucked up. And um, a lot of times they rush them. They'd be like, hey, 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 we need hey that uh, what, what you mean you're not contracting? No, 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 give her some more of that hormone. It's going to keep everything going. If not, we got to do a C-section. We got 10 more. Like, we're the highest rate of C-sections. They're just, like, yanking babies out. They're using, like, those um, forceps and vacuums, and, and they're really... They're, and a lot of these male doctors, they have they have zero experience with natural birth. They just teach them how to be like, um, like butchers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They teach you how to cut them open, get them out, keep the beds moving, keep the heads moving profit you can't be in here taking your time i don't care if your baby wants to take his time you can't just be 
taking your time. Taking my time. You can't take your time. This yeah. is all designed to benefit the system and our like the infant mortality rates and all that. Like, I, I don't. Again, I am a little biased. Like, I'm not one of those people that's anti-American or anything by no means. Like, I fucking live here. I'm born and raised here. I'm a citizen. You know. But at the same time, I, I'm the type of person where where I see where some people are a little um, blind to the fact because they fall for the propaganda of this is the number one nation. Like, you see some shit in our own city. And, and I, sometimes I have to say it in a car, like out loud. Like, yeah, and they say this is the greatest America, greatest country on earth. But look at what you just witnessed. It'll be like some foul shit. Like, even if, not to get too political, but like, even when you look at um, areas with all these like, Okay, we went to Costa Rica one time, and it was so relaxing because at the time in America, it was all the news was about like marches, riots. They they killed another youngster. The cops shot this kid. Oh, another one. The day after they shot another. And then you got Sandra Bland. You got all these for whatever the whatever the problem is in the system. Um, but long story short, this is happening, right? So I, when I went to, we went to Costa Rica, we got to detach from the cell phones and the media. We were just out on the beach and shit. And when I came back, it was like, it's good to get away from, I didn't hear, like I'd be in Costa Rica, I'd be like, I wonder how many Costa Rican cops killed people today. And it'd be like, none. none. I wonder how many people in Japan, Australia, England, anywhere else were killed by a cop. None. And then you look at our numbers and... You know, not to get into the whole like gun debate or race and all that, but there's so many things where I'm like, yeah, and they say this is the best country in the world where we're so free. I, I, I went to China and I saw no. like, hey, this is pretty chill. I don't see nobody breathing down our neck. I, I learned I learned a long time ago, man, and you know, I, I I just one of the things that I learned being locked up this last time was that uh, I I got to take off that. That security blanket that we call the American dream. It's right? like that it's fake safety net. It, it, um. It's basically like I see it as a blanket. Like, because here I am, right, doing the, as best as I can for my community, for my household, try to do what I can for myself. And it, it's just kind of hard as a Mexican that, you know, to, to not like, to not like have a resentment towards like America at some point, right? Like, mm. and I'm not, you know, I, I'm grateful, man. Like, I'm grateful that I'm here, that I, you know, that I, that I, Somebody asked me, like, yeah, well, you shouldn't be speaking like that. Like, America's giving you so much. And I was like, yeah, but I've given so much to yeah. America. Like, just think about my cases. In my all cases, I've given over $100,000 in cases to America. Who the f Like, in another country, I wouldn't even been locked up. You know what I'm saying? So that that's just one. Like, not not the fact that we work with the community here. Um, down, Like, you know, we, we, we're part of the community. We, we've done work with Workshop Houston, with... You know, several different uh, nonprofits to help kids, right? We, I mean, you can. I've mentored a lot of kids into like owning your own business. I go speak at schools like Chavez, like Milby, you know, those mm -hmm. things about what it's like to be like an entrepreneur and what. I never thought that I would do this by 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 a long shot, you know. What I mean? But you know, if somebody asks me, hey, I want you to come come speak to these kids, and you know, we do it. You know, I've I've also felt like I pay my taxes just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, it ain't shit for free for me here. You know what I mean? Like, so when people say, "Oh yeah, like give," they give you, they give you, like, yeah. But we also give immigrants give more oh, than they lot. take. And I, I'd argue sometimes that um, we we contribute like 
a lot of what is beautiful uh, about America, about America like is. the diversity. A lot of times you don't see it out like on, in the media, but um, but hell, just like I mean, flavors and styles and you know, food and uh, um, just what, culture. What this, imagine what would this country be without like without the very simple shit, without tacos, without uh, you know, without uh, Chinese food, without pho. Without all the imagine mm-hmm. what America would be without Japanese like influence in the you know or Chinese influence in the early you know American days or the Irish uh immigration it'd be, it'd be, uh, imagine what America would be then bologna sandwiches that's not even <laughs> you know what I'm saying like I don't even think the Americans know how to curate meat and shit. Well, that's well, you know, shit. <laughs> well you know what's crazy yeah exactly well you know what's crazy man is like a lot of times when like when I preach to the youngsters that that work here with us and stuff because for one, they're millennials. How, how do you tell her? I'm thirty. Oh, okay. He, he's thirty. I thought he was twenty one. Yeah, like, young, man. thought he I'm was twenty one, like some of these kids that, that we got working here. But I give him a hard time about um about like the whole millennial thing, where it's like, dude, you're you're growing up in a cushiony world, like a world where there's no sharp edges. Like, you don't have to get lost. Even you don't need to use a key map. Like, just so many things where it's like you're safe and you're staring at a screen all day, but be prepared. Like I, I, I tease my daughter too. Like sometimes we'll just be standing there in Target, and she she might start staring at her phone or something, and I'll just, hey, look alive. I'll give her a couple little jabs, at, yeah, you know, yeah. reach, for, hey, yeah. block the ribs, yeah. block the ribs, you know, a spleen shot, you know, a little something just to be like, hey, be alert and be present and, and stay on your toes and always be peeping game because you know you can't be too on some suburban life to where you think everything's safe and everyone's nice. And, uh, you know, we live in this Nickelodeon world, but I tell these youngsters all the time, I was like, you got to be ready in case some shit pops off. Like, what are you going to do? But boys ain't ready, man. Like, I, I mean, first of all, kids, they don't even show affection anymore. Like they, they don't, they don't engage anymore. They engage with this thing right here, yeah. with the phone or the tablet or whatever it mm-hmm. is. I mean, I get that. You know, when I was younger, I, I wanted to have a Nintendo or whatever the hell was at the time. But, like, there was a time that my mom was like, yo, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Turn that shit off. Go yeah. outside. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to go outside. Go outside. You know? And I'm like, all right, go outside. My daughter finally picked up how to ride a bike yesterday. And I was like, uh, and, you know, they fall a couple times. And, I, and I'd be like, you know, Mickey, that's called playing outside in the <laughs> real world. It's yeah. not a nap. Not, no, no. Like, and I told her, too, I said... There is not an app available you. on your device that can let you feel what you felt. Like the balance, you having to uh, figure out like momentum, uh, feeling the wind and the sun. There's not an app. There may, she's like, in 30 years there will be. I was like, God damn it, listen to what I'm saying. <laughs> right now. I'm talking she's about right like, now. well, there's big advancements in virtual reality, Dad. I was like, this ain't virtual reality, God damn it. I mean, this, this world we live in could be a simulation. <laughs> it's a but, whole other theory. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you that in fifth grade. Don't worry about that right now. Yeah, man. It's it just it just sucks because like we unfortunately we live in a world where kids are like I had I, I just gave my boy an example the other day. There was this kid that it, it was like four of us. We had a you know I had a couple of homies at the shop that were chopping it up, and this kid walked in with a girl like a little cute model, and she's like, "Hey, Dave, what's up, man? What's going on, man?" He was just like real shy, and the girl was like, "Hey, how are you?" He's like, hey, man, do you mind if I take a couple of flicks in here? And I was like, yeah, man, for sure. At and, your store, the tipping point? Yeah, and so he walked in, but he was like super nerd because, you know, it was four. So he was a youngster with, with a girl? Uh-huh. Yeah, and, he, you know, camera dude. He walks in, takes a couple of pics. like, hey, man, I'll, I'll see you later, Dave. And he just like walks out. 
And I'm like, hey, man, send me, let, let me check out some of those pics. I want to check them out. He's like, yeah, yeah. And so he just, like, burned off. And then, the, you know, we just keep talking. I was like, you know, the crazy thing is that this kid has, like, 100,000 followers on Instagram. But he can't, like, socialize. But he can't talk to me. A person. Like, he won't make eye contact. Like, yo, if I if I put you in front of, like, like... If, like in front of these kids from Mexico City, that boy will run your pockets while he's talking to yeah, you. Yeah, you don't even you, you don't even realize he's running your pockets right now. This this kid's here versus a kid in another in another country. Las pilas, bro. This kids right here, they they breakfast for anybody, any other kid yeah. that's their age in any other country. Like yeah, like just a little bit more um survi- Snappy, survival lot, mode. You know what I'm saying like hustler. There's a lot of there's a lot. I, you know, every time I go home, I always point out to my wife or to my homies that's with me. I'm like yo. Look at this, man. That motherfucker's selling gum. He's shining shoes. Everybody's hustling. Everybody's yeah. hustling, selling papers. They, they hustling tourists cars. over there. Everybody. They hustling everybody. Run mm-hmm. your pockets. You know, they run behind. You know, I, I we walk into like a very busy area in Mexico City. I was like, yo, get the fuck off your phone. Pay yeah. attention. Put them in yeah. your pockets. And don't shake nobody's hand around here. Yeah. They're like, for real? And I was like, yeah, man. Sure Look enough. Alive. Look alive. You know what yeah. I'm saying? You, you got to be peeping because... Before you know it, a little bump, you're like, oh, shit, put my cell phone. You know what I mean? Like, it just, it happens in an instant. And these kids, man, you know what I'm saying? One kid is is asking you for, like, hey, you got any chance? And you're like, yeah, yeah. And the other one is digging in your back yeah. pocket. It's survival mode, man. It's so, all, like, You know, this kid's right. And it, and it sucks, man. It sucks because, like, pretty soon in 20 years, I'm going to be old. And I don't know what's gonna be of me. I don't know who. I don't know if my kid's gonna take care of me through a TV or a ah, fucking app. Or he's gonna send in a little robot. Like, he's gonna talk to you through the iPad. Um, uh, real quick, I just had a meeting with a photographer, and we kind of were talking about that. And she made a comment that said she felt that if you're first generation, anything, any nationality, doesn't not Hispanic, just any. If first you're first generation. generation, you're more than likely to be more of a hustler mentality where you're actually going to do stuff to make it happen as opposed to second and third they just feel like they're they're uh what do you call it um you owe it to them like you entitlement. know entitled there you go that's what i was looking for you, they feel entitled like why should i have to and that why you came first like you know why didn't y'all kind of like pay Man, I, wish my, I don't have kids but shit I mean, now that I know of, right, if I don't claim in my taxes, <laughs> them ain't mine. Uh, but if I was, man, I wish my kid would say some shit like that. Boy, you'd be, you be on your knees on some rice holding two books like this, yeah. like I was. You know what I'm saying? Dude, at, at Thanksgiving, I'm, uh, all my little nephews and nieces, everybody just, you know, watch out, man, I'm hungry. Like, they, they all get in the plates and everybody's like, yeah, Thanksgiving, right? Because it's just about the food. That's yeah, all it's about. That's it. It's not about the genocide or anything no, like no, that. No. But, and I'm like, man, I see my dad and my mom, they're, they're up there in age. They're, these are grandparents, and like great grandparents. The and they just there with the little plate, you know, just being humble. And I'm like, man, y'all supposed to be in the front. Y'all the reason we're even here. And, and um, you know, one thing I always say is like, it's, I don't want to offend nobody, but like, especially in my, like my parents and my household, the, the saying goes this, once you become like, quote unquote, Americanized, you become like soft, lazy, dependent entitled. and complacent and entitled, meaning you're just like waiting around for, you know, some like, well, I guess it's going to trickle down and give me or what can the government do for me? And then you just start using your energy on ways to cheat the system. And now, like, for instance, when you, especially when you see panhandlers and you're like, I'll put it to you like this. We were in, I think my daughter was in the car and uh, it was a dude begging and, and it was cold out, right? We had our cold front and I'm like, 
man, that, that's cold blooded. This dude's out here outside having to ask for money. I was like, that's crazy. I was like, you know what else I saw today? In the same weather today, a whole bunch of Mexicans working on a roof, and it's and it's and it's uh, drizzling. So it's like cold rain. It's not the most comfortable weather to be outside. Period. They so I, I feel roof, for the homeless dude, but then I didn't feel as bad because I'm like, man, I just seen. If anything, them dudes made me feel like I'm lazy. Like yeah, yeah. I'm cutting corners. I'm hu- I'm not hustling because I'm like, man, these dudes they're not taking a day off. At least so easy to get complaints in here when with media and shit like like so many. So many uh, something that I take pride in, in, in that I that I always tell, uh, you know, all my homies, demo won't let me lie, man. I'm like, yo, if you ain't doing shit to be better of yourself and be productive, yo, move around, man. Don't don't waste my because uh, I feel like I'll get sucked into. I'm very much about vibes, you know what I'm saying? Even my mom, my mom's negative as shit. I'm like, yo, I can't talk to you. Yeah, I, I'll call you later. I can't talk to you right now. You're neg- You're too negative for me, and that shit eventually, you know what I mean? Maybe. She needs to hear that, you know what I'm saying? And maybe she'll start reflecting, and she has before. But, you know, I don't... It's so easy to get complacent here because, you you know, you get to a point where you're like, oh, I have a house, I have an okay car. You know, I'm, I'm just going to thug it out and I'm just... safe. I'm just going to ride it. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not built like that, man. Like, that's... I mean, I could have... You know, I had just been uh, on that book. That boy, Marco, shout out to Marco. He put me in that book. Which, that which ta- book? Tacos of Texas. Okay. So I had two recipes in there, and then the Anthony Bourdain thing. So my culinary career was doing pretty good. I ain't had to, but you know, I just you kind of get tired. I already tasted the the water of what it's like to work for your own self and stuff. And I don't want to make other people money. You know what I'm saying? I want to make myself money so that my kid. I'm. I, I I saw this interview with Dame Dash. Like I'm not hustling for me. I'm for my first name. I'm hustling for my last name so that my kid. You know, maybe he gonna reap some of the favors that I'm created for him. You know what I'm saying? It's not even about me anymore. Mm-hmm. I lived that dream of being a millionaire a long time ago. Like, oh yeah, I'm gonna bring my first million. Like, fuck that, man. I'm I'm right now. I'm just trying to do enough and more so that my kid keeps can benefit that. Maybe he'll be the millionaire. You know what I'm saying like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so and they can appreciate what where you came from. That's it. Just foundation. We gotta lay foundation. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and these youngsters, man. Um, a lot of times they don't even know how to conjure up. Conf- like back in my day, back in our day, you used to have to be confident and, and uh, have courage to even like talk to a girl. What kind of game you gonna use? Oh my God! Are man, you gonna no. crack a joke? What's the compliment gonna be? You know what I mean? Like uh, now, it's they all on the tenders. <laughs> Not even that, no. I I just was now they just to, swiping. I was talking to one of my young ones and I was like, "Yo, we was we was we was out shopping." He was like, "Man, I like that girl," and he knew somebody that was working with this girl. And I was like, yo, go, you know what I'm saying? Go over there, holler at the girl, you know what I'm saying? She, you know what I'm saying? If you're going to make a move, make a move. And he was like, yeah, I already told my homie Brittany to put me down. I was like, man, you put yeah. yourself down, bro. Like, I already told my homie Brittany to put me down. These like, are all life skills, man, that that I think the generation, if we're not careful, that generation is going to, they're going to grow up in a different uh, a different space where everything's just kind of there. Like, they, they say, you know, because we have these mini computers with the Apple on them in our pocket, they say like all the knowledge of the human race since forever is pretty much accessible. Right there. You know, considering whatever the government allows, you know, I guess what's on there. Yeah. yeah. Internet or whatever. Whatever is public. Yeah. But you have instant access to so much shit. Now, the problem is everybody has instant access. What are you going to do with that tool? Because anybody can download Fruity Loops. Anybody can go get a camera and a little YouTube account. It's For like sure. what stories are you going to tell how are you gonna stand out? I mean, and there's just so many jobs now, man, that you could do. Even with this thing right here, man, like I phone. just I just had to re-strategize, like my marketing, right? 
somebody's like, hey, man, do you have anybody that does, like, social media marketing? And I'm like, what the fuck is that? Who does that? But that's a job now. Like, yeah. t- five years ago, when we started, when in 2007, we opened the store, none of that, that would have never even been a thing. Now it's like, oh, yeah, I'm a social media engineer. Like, yeah. What? Oh, they make a killing. And they, hey, hey, it ain't cheap neither. Yeah. The boys be, they be taxing. Uh, and I'm like, hey, listen, man, I'm just going to give me this iPhone. You know what I'm saying? You got a camera. Yeah, yeah. So, this iPhone next is going to put a lot of photographers out of business. You know what I'm saying? Like, this camera is legit. So, I'm like, if you don't get your hustle up and if you don't adapt to the game, man, you're going to... That's how old people... That's how I yell. That's why I yell at my mom. I'm like, why you should pay attention? Why, how you don't know how to work your phone? But because they disconnect. You know what I'm saying? They, they, they don't stay current. So, I'm trying to stay current as long as I can. So... Hell yeah, man. And, and keep it going, man. Um, Thank you for your time. The tipping point. Yes, sir. The address one more time. 214 Travis. Uh, And it's right from right next to Hearsay by Market Square. Really down, you know, in the middle of downtown. I'm going to go visit. I'm going to post up the photos. And, um, and, and man, we miss you in the culinary world. If you're ever going to get back. Uh, I, I want to. Uh, Actually, not too far from here, I have a, a friend of mine. She owns this place called Edda's Kitchen. How you spell it? Etta, E-T-T-A. Okay. Uh, S. Um, and she does like private events there. And she just hit me up about doing some, like some grown up private cooking classes. You know what I'm saying? And I, uh, I, I was like, you know, but I don't know that I want to, I don't know how you're going to market this. She was like, what do you mean? Like, you're a great looking dude. And I, I don't believe this shit. I think she's lying. Um, He's like, what you, they got to you, do with my cooking, yeah, baby? I was, I, 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 she was like, <laughs> you could cook. And I was like, you know, I just, you know, I'm all tired up and like, you know, I'm from the hood. I'm, I'm going to talk like this. If I'm going to teach mm-hmm. these motherfuckers how to cook, they're going to learn just the way I, I talk. And she's like, wouldn't that be badass if you teach them like some high-end French cuisine and just talking like nobody expect that from you. And then when you do it, you're like, damn, this motherfucker really knows how to. So I, I think we're going to do that uh, coming in hopefully in January, I think is what she has planned. But I'll, I'll give you the info for that for sure. And uh, uh, one last note. Speaking of like French cuisine, how they always get all this credit. I I've, I forget what chef I ran into. Like this dude <clears throat> supposedly knew how to, you know, he had studied all his different styles and he worked under such and such and or whatever. But when I asked him, I was like, hey, so out of all the different styles and, and countries and everything, what is like the most amazing shit? He said, Mexico, Mexican food, by far, hands down. And I was like, what? I couldn't believe it only because like, I thought he was just like, man, you're just saying that because I'm Mexican. He's like, no, no, no. And he said, look, there are some moles that I've tasted like in different parts of Mexico. He's like the complexities and the layers of so many different flavors from like spicy to sweet to this to that all in one sauce and how it just hits you. He's like, it's very complex. He says, no other culinary style anywhere he's like that's including french and this is why i do not that he's french but he's like i'm not telling you to toot your horn no but he <laughs> but he's like and i believe it because like mole is my shit i got a whole bunch of ingredients and i'm gonna buy y'all over for some mole we make some bomb ass mole at the house uh but also I, I, every year i do a friendsgiving and i i probably need a i think the next one is it's overgrown dog like i've doing it for like the last six years mm-hmm. and it's just homies and I typically fried like two turkey. It started off with like one turkey, you know, it's like two turkeys and it's a plethora of food. You Man, you ain't never had my baby's mac and cheese, I'll tell you that. Hey, listen, that shit is a mac and cheese competition. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? Hey. Hey. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know, man. It competi- I got money on my baby's mac and cheese. I mean, hey, I'm I'm trying to I eat it. Shit. Stuff, but I can't make some mac and cheese. I'm my trying to hey, listen, I'm down for the 
for the cause I want to, you know, I'm down to taste it. I, I like food. We man. might we might open up a restaurant. Just call it My Baby's Mac and Cheese. That's it. Mama's Mac and Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Little Mama's Mac and Cheese. Yeah, that's it. Mama Souls. <laughs> yeah, so, you know what I'm saying? Uh, that's what we up to right now, man. And uh, hopefully, in all honesty, man, uh, I'm going to say this in kind of, I guess, the last note. I'm I'm trying to move back home, bro, in the, last, in the next four years. I'm Mexico to, City. Yeah, I'm trying to move back home. This is maybe two, three, maybe three, four years, but I want to move back home. Uh, a lot of people don't know I'm working with Greenway, and I'm opening up a coffee shop inside the store. So we have a coffee shop inside the store pretty soon. So Greenway uh, is a local coffee. Greenway bean. is the most one of the most badass uh, coffee houses in town. Uh, really, really good, high quality product. Uh, all coffee, single origin. Just super amazing people. David they roast is, it here in town. It's roasted in town. Uh, they have. If you don't know Greenway, they they own um, Morningstar. You know that's a Morningstar uh, blacksmith inversion. Uh, what else? Uh, they opened a, probably the best looking coffee bar in town, which is called Prelude. It's in a it's in a building. It's six oh nine Main. That's amazing. So we're part of the we're gonna be part of the Greenway family pretty soon. Uh, and I'm selling exclusively for right now at least Greenway. Uh, and David's helped me so much with the coffee program because I'm very passionate about coffee. And that's once this kicks off, I think I want to open up a little little project in Mexico City. Uh, see how it does, man. And you know. Oh yeah. So. Awesome. It's just so easy. You don't got to deal with all this BS that you deal with here. Ain't no food permits. Ain't no, you know, uh, zoning laws. Ain't, ain't none of that. You could just post, post up. up. That's it. Post up. Well, hey, thank you, man. I appreciate the love, man. Thank y'all for stopping by. Yes, sir. My boy David, the tipping point. Yes, sir. Thank y'all for tuning in. Sintonizando desde el túnel del Chapo por todo el mundo.